All right, we're back on the Exit 52 podcast. It is Tuesday, March 7th, 6.35 p.m. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by the two guys. It felt like we kind of had a similar discussion about this whole thing the other night. Spencer Nathaniel Schultz and Brian Black here to talk about, uh, you know, maybe the most significant Lamar Jackson update we've had in over a year. I mean, there have been other ones, but none, nothing felt as concrete as him receiving the non-exclusive franchise tag today around 3 p.m. Uh, came down a little bit earlier than some people were expecting and uh, a lot of speculation throughout the run of the day. Was it going to be uh, an extension sort of at the 11th hour out of nowhere? Was it going to be the exclusive tag, which I think both of you guys were expecting? And then I actually started to speculate that I had a, I had a little feeling in the uh, deep within my loins that the non-exclusive was going to be the move. Um, and that's what they wound up doing. And uh, teams are going to have a chance to uh, send over these offers and he's going to have a chance to review them. But uh, I guess getting right into it, it sounds like that might not be happening because pretty much every team that prospectively would be interested in him uh, apparently is going to be out. Spenny, you are named delirious for a reason. How about you give us a little wellness check and then uh, <laughs> your, your immediate reaction to all this? I have not eaten food since Sunday. I got super sick on like Monday morning and was just out of it for like a full day and thought it was food poisoning. Then I had a fever of 101. Fran made me take my temperature and we're, we're down pretty bad. I feel pretty lightheaded, pretty loopy here. And I've slept probably, I don't know, 35 of the last 48 hours or something. So I'm just a, a pool of jello right now, but rested enough to be able to comment on this everlasting gobstopping fun flippity fun saga as it goes down and like you said i mean it's just a very peculiar situation i didn't think that the ravens would go the non-exclusive route i thought they'd go exclusive i thought that would allow them to maintain control in the most sense and then shortly after the announcement comes out we have joe person Scott Fitterer certainly will discuss and has discussed Lamar Jackson because that's what he does, but the Panthers are not expected to be in the Jackson market per league sources. Vincent Bonsignal, you can hear the music in that one. If you are wondering if the Raiders will be involved in Lamar Jackson, the answer is very unlikely. Diana Rossini, the Atlanta Falcons will not be pursuing Lamar Jackson, which has been retweeted by the Falcons. Jeff Darlington, the Dolphins will not be pursuing Lamar Jackson or any other starting quarterbacks this offseason. Multiple team sources tell me, as one source said, Mike fully believes Tua is the perfect fit for his system. And then there was a commander's tweet from, I think, what is his name? Jeff Kime, maybe, uh, said, not here. So very peculiar. The entire realm of teams that have been linked to Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr gets signed to the Saints as well, are immediately refuting that they will have a connection with Lamar Jackson. And, you know, it's strange. I mean, if the Falcons one came first and it was like, all right, sure, whatever, you know, reporters are wrong. But then like Peter Schrager immediately was like, yes, this backs up what I have. To, to quickly cut you off there, the Falcons one came literally after a report. I think it was Matt Lombardo. I'm not sure who he's mm -hmm. with, but I've seen him kind of floating around on Twitter talking about how the Falcons were very in on the idea of going to trade for him. Talks were progressing, as he had said, and then Glenn Clark had also confirmed that he had heard through back channels that the Falcons were, quote unquote, obsessed with the idea of it. So that was that was weird to see right off the bat. Yeah, 
Go ahead. I mean, this has just been a weird day. It's been a complete roller coaster, and it's like a microcosm in one day of two years of will he, won't, won't he, will they, won't they nonsense. And we've spent like I think the three of us know well enough that like a trade here is was very much on the table potentially over the last few weeks, especially as teams got together here in Indianapolis for the combine. Um, and I'm sure they surveyed all those offers and made the decision based on that knowledge, but. I don't think anybody could have expected the litany of teams that have come out and just basically shit on the idea of even having a conversation with them. I mean, I don't see what the upside is for these NFL teams to be out here, especially the Atlanta Falcons retweeting it and um, writing an article on their own website. They did the whole um, thing where their own beat reporter that works for their website reported the news of somebody outside the building, like, hey, per Diana Rossini you know, did that whole thing, but still they retweeted that, that post. So it's like, they're just, these teams are outright declaring that they're out on a quarterback that is clearly talented, clearly electric, clearly like a marketing, um, at least potential, like his potentials through the roof. Um, I'm stunned. Like, I just can't believe that teams that you would think would be all in are out. So unequivocally, like what's the harm in waiting and having a conversation? What's wrong wrong with picking up the phone? Like, what's the benefit to them to declare that they're out? So um, it's a little bit suspicious. And when I say a little bit, it's a lot of it. Yeah, it uh, it kind of immediately drummed up sort of the, uh, the collusion word, uh, which, you know, has been used with the NFL in uh, some pretty unsavory ways in the last five or so years. Uh, as we got our guy Mink tweeting and then deleting this, not to put you on blast, but uh, I mean, he's kind of saying what we're all thinking. I mean, this is an interesting situation uh, to say the very least. And yeah, like the Falcons, they would have been right at the top of the list. And then it's just like, you're ticking off the names, Panthers, man, you would think they would be right in there. Raiders, maybe they have, they've got the cash issues. Uh, commanders, obviously you would think that they would be sniffing around, uh, especially if Snyder wants to throw one last kind of F you to the league and like make the guaranteed deal thing happen before he leaves all the owners out to dry. But sounds like that's not going to happen. It sounds like the dolphins are not going to happen. They don't really have the first round pick to work with. I don't think though, but yeah, it just kind of all came out right at once. And I mean, for the people that are arguing collusions, Benny, like the fact that it all happened at once there. And Brian, this was something that you said privately, like if they're colluding, they're doing a bad job of it because like they're not even putting on any sort of facade that like they're trying to even, you know, hide it. I don't think they really have to put on a facade or hide it. They don't, as long as they're not actually Watergate colluding, like as long as they're not actually doing the dirty dirty and having text threads and email threads saying we will not allow fully guaranteed contracts when the watson deal went down owners were and especially steve bashotti publicly denounced it so i don't think they have to even have paper trail they all know they're on the same page you can just kind of nod your head and say we're not letting this shit fly if they want that it's going to have to be part of the next collective bargaining agreement and you're going to have to work that in with concessions towards the owners and towards what they're going to want in return. So uh, I, don't, I, don't, I think it is collusion, but I don't think it's like a conspiracy level of collusion. I think it just is what it is. And it comes naturally to the fact that the Browns are ridiculous and desperate and came in and then everyone's like, oh, well, why would the Falcons not be interested? They're interested in Watson. Well, if the starting point is above what they were offering for 
Watson, which is basically what the Ravens offered. The Saints and the Falcons reportedly offering pretty close to what the Ravens offered Jackson. Then why would they be it? They already said no. And on top of it, you know, why are teams shooting this down? Number one, he doesn't have you know, the, the guaranteed contracts. Number two, there's no agent involved, and teams feel like that's conceding power. Number three, you have to work on this contract with the NFLPA, so it's a triple threat of giving things up towards the power of the NFLPA and the player and against the agent. So I think that's why teams aren't as interested. And I remember when Mike Sando does the annual quarterback tiers for the athletic, he comes and says, you know, oh, well, Lamar Jackson came in at 11th. Why is that? And everyone's like, well, he doesn't really have someone singing his graces in the back channels like an agent does. He doesn't have someone to say, no, 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 don't look at what he didn't do. Look at what he did. It's just him and the Ravens. And the Ravens aren't running around like, you know, what are they going to be running around singing his praises? Of course they are. So there's no champion of Lamar Jackson. And the NFLPA is not a champion. They're a villain. Like the NFL hates the NFLPA. It is that's the union versus the conglomerate. It's always mono a mono enemies. So I think it makes perfect sense. Um, with that in mind, though, yeah, the, the Cardinals at one point said, yeah, Josh Rosen is our guy. And then they fucking traded him and drafted Kyler Murray. So it can definitely flip a switch. But thinking of the Dolphins and thinking of, you know, what a lot of the rumors are going around that, oh, well, the Dolphins could wait until after the draft and put an offer sheet in. I just like that would be a level of stupid on the Ravens behalf that I don't think is possible. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm I am not a big speculation reality Madden guy. I'm not no better than anyone else. But I just don't fathom how you can let this quarterback class go by you and not get a pick out of it and then go get the Dolphins pick who made the playoffs. Then you're going to give them Lamar Jackson. They're going to make the playoffs. You're going to get two low first round picks and that would be just complete and total failure. I don't think that's a possibility for what would be happening. So um, a lot of interesting stuff going on, but most of all, it feels like the Ravens, probably knew what was going to happen they probably had an idea that maybe this is how it would shake out guess what they've probably talked to teams about potentially trading him like how would they not it's been over two years they haven't had phone calls so what are the odds that lamar himself has reached out or the nflpa in some fashion reached out to these teams already and they've kind of put their offer out on the table, the same type of offer that the Baltimore Ravens have turned their nose up time and time again. And the team saw the offer and did the same thing. I mean, what's the possibility of that? I mean, plus on top of it, we know the Ravens offered $133 million, fully guaranteed, the second largest amount in NFL history, and then the reports were, what, 160 to 180 in total guarantees. So teams are going to view that as the not even the starting point like that's not even the starting point so the second highest amount guaranteed ever is not the starting point because you know the ravens will just match that you're doing them a favor by matching that they get what they wanted they get their offer that ends the negotiation for them so uh, to your point exactly that and yeah probably so i don't i don't know how i, I just didn't anticipate this it was reported that DaCosta was in, they said Miami, I guess Broward County, with Lamar this past week. And my thought process was that if you take $12 million out of Lamar Jackson's pocket from the exclusive 
franchise tag at 45.6 million that he's going to get pissed and feel like you're screwing him potentially. But maybe they came to this agreement together. Maybe it was, hey, we'll let you do the fair thing. We'll let you go talk to other teams. And it was kind of a loaded opportunity because the Ravens probably had already talked to other teams. So uh, it feels like maybe it could have been somewhat of a mutual decision. I don't know. But it also feels like the summation of over two years of negotiating and the Ravens being like, all right, what? Like, we've got nothing left. We're done here. And made progress. The interesting aspect to me with all that is that it just sounds like it's just radio silence from his camp going back, not just days, but like a long time at this point. And they just can't get him to come to the table. They can't get his quote unquote camp to come to the table or whatever. There's no negotiations whatsoever. So I am kind of wondering, was this a collaborative thing with him where they said, Hey, we'll let you go out there and test the market. And if what we're offering is not getting it done, then fine. Like maybe you come back to the table with us or they just said, Hey, like if he doesn't want a deal. And this was kind of the point that I was making on Twitter. Like if he doesn't want a deal, then we'll let him go onto the open market and see if he can get a deal. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, maybe he'll come back to us or maybe he'll accept something or whatever is going to happen ultimately. But we're protecting our position by ensuring these two first round picks. And I mean, I don't know, like maybe they knew uh, to some extent that he wouldn't be receiving the interest that he maybe thought he was going to receive. And now he's got to come crawling back a little bit. Uh, that, That certainly could maybe be an awkward conversation if it does even happen. Who knows? Because, I don't know. It feels like it's going to be a weird way forward for him to step onto the football field for this team this coming year, as you mentioned in our group chat earlier. Uh, Brian, what are you kind of making of all that? Sorry, I'm I'm scrolling Twitter a little too much. I am just captivated by it right now, so I missed I missed a good chunk of that question. No, basically, I mean, just like your thoughts on like we knew basically that no communication was going on between these two parties for the longest time. So do you think this was a situation where they went to him and said like, Hey, we'll let you go test this market out. Or like, well, what do you think happened there? Because I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of inclined to think that they just kind of did this without really consulting with him. I mean, I think that they broke the news to him in some way. I think that they kind of, as a final courtesy to him said, Hey, and I think Lamar earlier today started putting a few cryptic messages out there on Instagram and liking you were all over that um, yeah. a few things. Yeah. I mean, those are big page view getters. You get it. Um, but yeah, I, it doesn't seem like they've been within the same time zone of each other with regards to having healthy and um, fruitful conversations to move anything forward. So I think that the team has kind of made their best offer. I don't know when that time happened, um, but at least their best offer before um, they'd be willing to kind of go back to the table again. And I think they've been waiting to see if Lamar would do the same while also doing their own due diligence of figuring out what other team's interest is in him. And um, at face value, when they announced a non-exclusive tag, the initial reaction was like, holy shit, like that's a huge risk. How could they do that? And now, you know, two hours have passed and it sounds like the Ravens had a very good sense of what team's, um, how teams value Lamar and how, you know, given the landscape of the draft, like Spenny mentioned, and um, the cost of paying a quarterback fully guaranteed contracts um, at this stage in a career when you can kind of hit the reset button. It, I'm, if only, if anything, I'm surprised that teams have been this calculated about it. You know, like I, I would have thought that there'd be some team just over eager about the opportunity to get a young quarterback on a free agent market because that thing, I mean, that essentially never happens. I thought a team like Atlanta 
Carolina, like those teams aren't necessarily regarded as the most measured of franchises. Like I thought that they may be going after them and it just hasn't been the case. And um, lo and behold, it seems like so far the Ravens are kind of winning this one. Yeah. I mean, and you make a good point there too. I mean, like Lamar, like to Atlanta was the buzzy thing because of the Michael Vick connection and culturally it just feels like a good fit. Um, you know, going to a, a city like that, they, they, you feel like they would embrace him right away. And then you've also got the the Panthers there too. I think um, he's he's kind of similar to Cam in some ways uh, too to me. So I think that would be another sort of lineage sort of move that people were talking about. And David Tepper has shown us he is as desperate as can be. Maybe not quite to the level of Jimmy Haslam, but he's got them trading up for like Matt Corral and giving up like multiple third round picks to try and solve that quarterback issue there. And yeah, man, that would have been... The other one that I thought was right on it, but you mentioned that uh, the report came out from the guy down there that they're not going to be in on him either. And um, yeah, it's interesting. It just, it feels like, and we don't have to go too much longer on this. It's just kind of a quick emergency podcast, but I don't know. I mean, we've got Jonas's tweet here that I picked up on earlier. Um, The mechanics of the non-exclusive tag, $32.4 million charge against the cap, whether he signs tender or not. He can negotiate with other teams starting March 15th. Uh, Ravens would have five days to match a signed offer sheet. And then it's a July 17th deadline for an extension with the Ravens. So that's a long way off, but uh, within a week here, if this levy is going to break and teams are going to start negotiating, you know, that's when it would happen. But uh, who knows if it's going to Spenny, you've, uh, you've made some predictions here um, in regards to what you think is going to happen. I think you've said that you think he's going to play on the tag. Do you still see that happening this season? I thought it would be the exclusive tag, which would have been difficult for the Ravens, but I, I just didn't quite see that part coming. And in the, in the different realm, I guess, but to, to go off of the reaction of players like Tyron Matthew and all those people, J.J. Watt says, why are all these teams so publicly, quote-unquote, out on Lamar Jackson, an MVP winner in his prime at the most important position in the entire NFL? What am I missing here? And then Steven Ruiz. Your guy. It, our guy. feel It says feel like any collusion debates are going to be fixed on these other teams opting out of the Lamar market when really it should linger on quote, how did the Ravens feel so confident that this would happen and quote for a bit longer. And again, I just feel like they, they gauged it and I'm just the, it's hard to make a prediction at this point because I think the variable is the young quarterback who doesn't have an agent who has had, according to Ian Rappaport, basically very little urgency to get anything done. How is he going to respond to this tag? How is he going like is he gonna show up for training camp? I I don't know. So if I'm trying to think of all the possible options. Option one is that no one makes a or puts out an offer sheet, I guess. I guess someone probably will, but if no one does, then he comes back with his tail between his legs to a degree, doesn't come to OTAs, maybe shows up for training camp, maybe doesn't, maybe just holds out for a bigger contract and extends that into the season, or someone sends in an offer sheet and the Ravens match it. Does he feel like, I wanted to go with that team, I negotiated with this new team, they sold me on a pitch, they gave me the you know the red star treat or the the red carpet treatment and rolled it all out for me. I want to go with them. I'm not staying in Baltimore. Um, so I think the the huge variable is how does the human react to all of these things, and that's why I thought it was tough 
to go with the non-exclusive tag. And I guess we'll eventually find out some of the dirtier details whenever this saga finally comes to an end, which feels like it could somehow last another 18 months or something. Like he'll end up playing on a second tag somehow in Baltimore or whatever the hell happens. So um, it's tough to predict anything. I would anticipate, I think I would give it a 60% chance that he plays in Baltimore and a 40% chance he's traded elsewhere. But the downright rejection of all of these teams publicly coming out feels like it is certainly in uniform with we're all standing together. We are not giving a fully guaranteed contract to a second quarterback and specifically to one that does not have an agent and is being represented by the players association, the the union. So I don't know. It's unprecedented. It's the weirdest situation that has really ever occurred. And for me to have a solid prediction, I would just be selling fool's gold. I don't know what's going to happen. And We'll see, but it just feels like the Ravens' relationship with Lamar Jackson is has to be drawn to a millimeter-thin thread at this point with how this has played out over time. If you would have asked me two years ago, would a deal get done? I would have told you by the end of that offseason, you know, in 2021, he would have been signed to a deal. So it's very peculiar, and I don't know. Don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think... Uh right up until literally last week when I was on with Glenn, I was saying a tag and a trade is what I thought was going to happen. And I don't know. I probably still thought that as of a couple hours ago. And then all these reports come out and is it collusion? Is it soft collusion? Is it something that people aren't going to be able to prove? Maybe not, but I don't know. It it just feels like this market hasn't materialized thus far. We'll see what happens. Maybe somebody breaks, but uh, Brian, I know you got a date with AAA here. So how about you get your last take? I know you already blogged this to Barstool, but uh, final thoughts on today. Um just a lot to take in right now. It's, it's a lot to try to digest. And, um, I kind of went from swaying down to like, Hey, maybe 20% chance Ravens, you know, and Lamar are still together week one of this season to now all these teams turning it away. I'm up to like 40%, 50%. Maybe it's, it's all over the map and it's just a microcosm of this entire saga. Um, nobody seems to know what they're doing except for the people involved. Um, and we're just sitting here speculating. And um, I'd hoped at the very least, like we'd have some sort of resolution, whether it be trade or extension today. That was obviously a pipe dream. But um, I think the way things have played out, just like Spenny alluded to, it's we're kind of looking at the potential of just an even longer um, dispute that could just really continue to get dirtier and dirtier and less fun. So, um I don't know. I guess we just got to wait for the next chapter. Yep, pretty much. And uh, I think, you know, <laughs> in keeping with what both of you guys are saying, I have no prediction either. Uh, weird, weird day. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think from a Ravens perspective, I think uh, this honestly is the right move. I probably would have um, more so maybe if like a trade market was going to materialize weirdly, because I feel like that would give them a, a little bit more of an out. But uh, what, what do you got? I think the the Ravens have won the day, if anything, though. If there's like something to to take away from it and to look at a scoreboard, I think the Ravens won today in a big way. Uh, most people expected it to be that exclusive tag, which would have meant $45 million um, against the cap this upcoming year. I can't say that I know all the nuances of the timing of all those types of things here. Turner soon, W but, saying um, second tag just got a lot more affordable. 32 times 1.2 equals $38 million. Right. So that $13 million difference 
all things considered, is a huge win for the Ravens going into this next season if Lamar, you know, happens to decide to play for us and play under the tag and everything. It gives us a lot of flexibility in this next week or so before the league year starts um, in terms of cap cuts and restructures and all those types of things. So um, in that sense, it was a big win for the Ravens today. But this is just one battle. It's a big, gigantic war, and who the hell knows how it's going to turn out. And then last week, the big thing was, oh, the Ravens look so bad. Jeff Z comes at me a little bit and says, oh, the Ravens you know, look so bad in the national, uh, in the national media. They're talking about the, you know, what are players thinking, what are the locker rooms talking about, yada, yada, yada. Well, suddenly the, the voices have shifted from attacking the Ravens to kind of attacking the owners as a whole. So to Brian's point, who uh, did have to jump, but the spotlight has diluted from the Ravens ownership to NFL ownership. So suddenly it's, oh, wow, the owners are doing them dirty. Why aren't the Panthers calling? What the heck's going on? Hmm, maybe there was more than meets the eye. So, you know, like Brian said, it's it's a war. This is one battle, but I think it uh, the, the Ravens didn't need to come out and make some statement or deliver some sort of, you know, privacy break between them and Jackson. And then for the logistics of it, like Turner broke down the $32 million tag, the Ravens will have to be cap compliant by 4 p.m. on the first day of the league new year, which is the 15th of March. They're going to have to clear out about $10 million in space. They have several different avenues. They have enough ability to restructure just guys like Ronnie Stanley and Marlon Humphrey and Mark Andrews to do that, or they could cut a Chuck Clark or a Gus Edwards as well to give themselves a little relief. But they don't have to have this full-blown fire sale, and they can probably afford to bring on a couple modest free agents to fill out gaps that they feel like they need. Maybe a you know mid-level wide receiver, maybe a cornerback two-three type, a veteran corner that is on a third contract or something of the sort, like Fuller last year. So uh, a little bit of logistics there, but it's uh, a lot to go, and the kind of uniformed front, I think, speaks loudly that the Ravens were not in the minority or doing things strangely, that this deal and what the NFLPA has turned this contract into are a lot bigger in terms of ramifications than Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And that stems from the Haslam's and the Cleveland Browns and Sean Watson's contract. So it has been not a butterfly effect, but a tidal wave from that contract. And the owners are clearly fighting back tenfold against the possibility of that happening. Yeah, definitely. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, I do hope that we can come to some resolution, as you mentioned, prior to the draft, because it just feels like, man, um, that would be quite a risk that like maybe he's not going to report or whatever happens. Uh, you, you really do want to have that that quarterback question mark. Um pretty much dealt with by the time the draft is coming up. He's got like, what, four guys that are going to go in the first round here. Maybe another one's going to pop up. Who the hell knows? So I don't know. I, I'd hope they'd be able to do that. But as things stands right now, it's uh, a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. It seems like the Ravens are kind of sitting in the catbird seat, at least relative to where they had been, where they were just taking L after L after L over the last couple months to the point where we were recording a podcast talking about the L's they were taking last week over something completely unrelated, uh, might I add. So yeah, this was, uh, I don't know, it, I don't know if I'm going to say it like settled things down, but it certainly was a, a step in the right direction for them at the very least, where it feels like now things are kind of, it's not all on them, not all the pressure is on them. And to the point about, you know, Steve Bashotti not wanting to 
give up the guaranteed money and it's like, oh, Steve Bashotti, billionaires, this, that, and the other. Well, maybe he's not the only one. And I think we're seeing that play out right now. And whether they're colluding or not, soft colluding, whether you can prove it or not, it seems like they're, it's, we're kind of seeing it play out right now where they are not interested in giving anyone a guaranteed contract. I mean, if we're not seeing this guy who, in my opinion, way, way more deserves it than Deshaun fucking Watson, then we might not ever see it. And uh, I guess this battle is going to be kind of pivotal um, in that regard. But other than that, yeah, that's, I think, pretty much all I got on today, which was uh, kind of a wild one. But um, yeah, it, it felt nice to get a real concrete update on this for the first time in a long time. Certainly does. And it is a thick, cumbersome situation between the owners and the NFLPA much less the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. So maybe a team will make a move. The Colts haven't come out, I guess, yet. The Colts and the Lions are the two that have not come and dismissed this fully. And to Ryan Mick's point of his now-deleted tweet, I'm sure teams are still going to check in again. You know, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they just call again? They don't have anything to lose. Um, But it feels like ownership is – it feels like the GM's job to call but at the end of the day, the GM's boss is the owner. And if the owner is saying, no, we will not pull this trigger, then calls might be made, but deals might not be struck. So the saga continues on for now. I guess it's painful because I, you would think that this would have come to a resolution before the draft. But now the possibility of, I guess, someone making an offer sheet after continues on. So. The draft can't even give you that kind of clarity unless the Ravens end up making a a draft day trade or something of the sort. Bill Barnwell was talking a bunch how the Ravens don't have to go by the offer sheet still. They could still do a sign and trade for Lamar Jackson to another team like he was using the Texans as a hypothetical. If the Texans would be willing to give the number two pick, but not the number two pick and then a future first as well. And the Ravens were willing to do that. So more variables more, I guess, fun. Uh, it feels like, though, we're, we're reaching the beginning of an end with it, and it has felt like there would never be an end in sight, but now it feels like a lot of major strides were taken today. The veil's been lifted. We see what teams are saying about the situation coming out, basically against the idea of that long-term, fully guaranteed contract. So we will continue after it. Yep, we certainly will. Um, and yeah, I guess that's pretty much all we have for you guys on today. Thanks for tuning in to this emergency podcast. First one in uh, our um, our joining up with the X of 52 boys. It was a good one. Thanks to Banks for hopping on with us for as long as he could. Um, it was a great chat between the three of us. And um, who knows, maybe we'll, do, we'll be doing one uh, again within the next week or so here. But I don't know, for future programming purposes, we're planning to finally dive into uh, some draft content, very similar to what we were doing over at Beatdown, uh, in case you were wondering. So be sure to keep an eye out for Spenny and I on that. Uh, also keep tuning into the main feed for uh, the trio of boys, Banks, Taylor, and RDT, still doing a great job. I rode bitch with them last night and did a little producing, so that was fun. And uh, yeah, we're just continuing on with this new partnership. It's been a fun week or so thus far. Thanks to everyone that's reached out with all the kind words and tuned in tonight to, like I said, our first time really taking this thing live, I'm pretty sure. So that was great. Uh, Thank you guys, as always, uh, for listening. And we'll talk to you again very soon. See ya. Arrivederci.